here on journey doses with ash and ty and the lovely tegan rose hello tegan hello hello i feel like you need a big you needed some sound after that you do want to sing real quick just get straight into the singing voice activation if there's going to be a sound that makes you feel better what would the sound be Ooh, i like that as an invitation let's see yeah, like a sound of my nerves and excitement and stokedness. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> if I was to make a sound, and we, we, uh, we'll just preface this with Ashley doesn't like making sounds or noises like this, but I'll do it for you. Yes. I was thinking for myself, Mm. yeah whatever yeah. that means it's really good i'm here to witness and observe and enjoy <laughs> like he says i've i've struggles with that and i'll challenge that out another time um but it is an appropriate question for tegan because she's the embodiment queen the queen, the queen. absolutely so firstly i just want to talk a little bit about like you know who you are why you are where you come from and I could totally introduce you based on what I saw off your website and Instagram and stuff. But would you like to share a little bit about, you know, who and why you are? I like that as a, just a phrase, who and why are you, you know, mm. I, that's cool. I've never heard it put like that before. And yes, yeah, that would be, that would be lovely. Um, I also, yeah, I, I also, I think it's so interesting to hear about how other people experience me. Mm. So, you know, it is, it would be interesting to hear how you describe me to people. Oh, um, yeah, I could do that as well, for sure. Themselves. Um, but in a, yeah, in a nutshell, I think the way that I seem to be describing myself to people who don't know me and my work these days, um, I, I like sharing that I started off in theater, that I've been acting since mm -hmm. I was really, really little. I'm 15 years, right? Uh, yeah, just over 15 years. Um, yeah, started in the theater and then did some TV and, and film um, and went to uh, high school for it, also went to college for it, did it in LA, did it in Chicago, you know, lots of different places. Um, but what's cool is the way that this training has come back around to be able to serve me um, as a space holder and a guide and, and, and a healer in some ways um, with, with how it's like prepared, prepared me um, for being able to feel myself really intimately while I'm feeling another person really intimately to be able to be with really big chaotic emotions and still keep a sense of center. Um, and, and also to be able to, to tap into that sense of 
you know, taking on the body of another character and understanding, um, trying to understand their point of view. I feel like that really helped me to be able to tap into other people, to be able to empathize with them mm -hmm. and, and create a safe space for them to just be as they are, as they go through their healing process. Mm -hmm. So all of that is to say that the main work that I do right now is, as you said, in um, mainly in embodiment and voice activation, which essentially both of those things um, are, are tools to be able to help people come home to who they are, feel really safe in their body, feel really um, connected to the authenticity of their expression and how they want to show up in the world, the kind of life they want to be living. Um, and, and the creativity piece I'm so passionate about mm. as well, because I, I really do believe that humans are in inherently creative, mm. um, creating constantly all the time, um, and connecting to that, I think only serves us more. So that's a little bit. I have a question. How do you go from theater to embodiment? personally for you like how did that journey shift because there's plenty of theater people that are just like you know I just like to act and play characters but how did what was the other factors of life that you experienced that made that transformation for you totally so <laughs> yeah so part of that answer is that for me personally and I, and I agree it's not always this way with with a lot of actors for me personally theater acting was always a spiritual practice for me even though I couldn't articulate it as that when I was younger I used becoming other characters to understand more about who I was through contrast and also through oh I'm embodying this character it feels really similar to who I am which mm. and, and very often that would actually be a more triggering character to play because I was it was myself being reflected back to me um, and so it was always a spiritual practice for me, but I could also sense the ways that as I started to get older, I would use the skills that I had in performing and being able to appear really comfortable in situations to kind of avoid vulnerability sometimes and really understanding what it was like to truly authentically to my core, know myself and feel happy in my body was was the initiation i i didn't realize how disconnected from loving my body i was mm. um so that really hit me about four or five years ago um and that led me on a journey of wanting to do wanting to travel more um dive into the relationship that i was in at that time more, which was a great mirror for me and showing me the ways I wasn't accepting myself. Um, really powerful container for that. Doing plant medicines to explore my relationship to myself in that way. Um, and ultimately, ha like the transition from theater to embodiment came when I took a break from theater. I, I intentionally said, I'm not going to audition or even think about having this as my career for a year and see what happens. And in that time, I woke up um, on the first day of 2019 uh, and felt myself go, really, it was my, my body that said, we need to practice. 
we need to practice to connect to ourselves every day. And it's not going to be what somebody else has prescribed for you. We are creating it and it's going to be different every day. And so every day I would set aside an hour to just move or express sound or cry or touch my pussy or, you know, massage my body or to sing or be a character, like whatever was there to, to, to whatever my body felt like it was calling for, I wanted to investigate so that I could learn the language of my body and what it wanted, mm. what kind of relationship it wanted to have. There's so much that you've just said that I want to reflect on a, a little <laughs> bit, but the hottest thing being that hour. Now, do you still use the one hour a day or something like it to... I, I don't use the one hour a day currently. Um, not every day, at least. Sometimes I, I will. There's, there are always at, at least like 10 minutes in the day okay. that, where, where I'm, I'm, I'm practicing that. Yeah. But it also, so I did that practice every day um, consistently for six months. And then it got a little bit more sporadic, but I still like completed 2019 pretty much doing that every day for a year. And so now it feels like it's really ingrained in who I am. So as I move throughout my day, I, I'm really aware of when I'm connected to myself and when I'm not. So right now, what would you say, like if you had 30 minutes in the morning or whenever you decide to really address your body and feel into how you're feeling that day, what does that look like for you more commonly than not now? Uh, wait, so let me... Wait, so what is the practice? What, is, what would the routine look like now yeah. with 30 minutes okay. that you apply each day or let's just say it's 30 minutes or whatever or sure. however long you would optimally choose if it's an hour or 10 minutes sure so so recently what it's looked like is i sometimes i'll wake up with a song in my head and that usually tells me okay there's some medicine in this song that i'm needing to hear so even if i'm like why is that there i'll just put on the song and I'll start moving to it. Um, and the movement sometimes is rolling on the floor. Sometimes it's a little bit of shaking. Um, sometimes it's really kind of getting groovy and, and silly. And I'll usually end up moving for the duration of that song. And then I'll, my attention will be redirected. Um, Sometimes I go to the mirror. I have a mirror in my, in my space where I move. And so sometimes I'll do some eye gazing with myself. Sometimes, as I said, I'll like do some, some pussy gazing or just look at my body and notice where I'm having judgments about myself, um, where there's some lack of acceptance. And, and that typically tells me, oh, okay, there's some attention that's needed here that I need to give myself more regularly in this area. And then usually that will then lead me into some kind of singing, playing with sound. Um, and then these days, which I, I do have a little bit of judgment with the way my practice has been ending these days, it doesn't always have like a clear closing. Like I would like to maybe end it with like some stillness and meditation. But these days, what has been typically happening is that I'll get really excited and activated about what I discovered and I'll go like straight into journaling or like, you know, doing some work on different, you know, um, practices or courses that I'm like offering and stuff. And so yeah. uh, getting a little bit too into work sometimes. I love especially the mirror gazing at yourself. Yeah. I think in my own experience, more, re not super often, but occasionally I'll look at myself in the mirror 
And I'll in that moment realize I don't fucking look at myself. Mm. This is so weird how I don't actually pay attention to what I look like closely and let alone honor it and respect it. <laughs> like that's a whole nother thing. Uh, but it's so interesting. I would imagine obviously very valuable and especially the parts that are not as eye to eye as you look in your face, as you brush your teeth in the mirror. But if you put your pussy in front of the mirror, you put your genitals, whatever it is, uh, mm-hmm. men, you know, if you don't want to look at your butthole, try that. <laughs> <laughs> but like just seeing that because it's not there, it's not in our day to day. And it's so taboo, just the general area of hiding it, covering it, not acknowledging it in general. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, to speak to that again, because it's actually come up quite a bit in the last couple of days within conversations with, with friends. I was even just saying yesterday how if, <laughs> like, if I brought that up to kind of a, um, like a general, like woman walking down the street or, or something and said like, Hey, have you looked at your pussy in the mirror today? <laughs> I think the typical response would kind of be like, are you like freeze, you know, frozen. Are you, are, are you really asking me that question? Yeah. You know? Um, It'd be a good uh, practice to, to try out. I mean, we could, I, oh my God. You I, know, the guy on Instagram dude with the sign, we should just stand out on some main street. Have you looked at your own pussy today? <laughs> <laughs> great new sign for him. We should, we should uh, uh, share that prompt with him for the next. Yeah. Song. I mean, hopefully uh, a listener, uh, hopefully a listener gets inspired at some point down the road. Maybe yeah. reach out to us if you end up doing it. Or yeah, yeah. I would do um, it. I don't I, know if it'd be I as know. acceptable from my point of view, but like <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, you could, you could hold up the sign. Have you stared at your butthole today? Yeah. 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 And everybody has a butthole. Everyone's got an asshole. So. Yeah. <laughs> How do we segue from looking at each other's buttholes now? Um, <laughs> Any I, pressing questions for you, Ashley? <laughs> all right. I have, I have, I have a segue. What, what I was initiating into was when it comes to, um, what that brought up for me was when it comes to my sexuality, there's been some, some talks about sexuality the last couple of days and realizing that I, I know from like experiencing myself before I started doing this kind of mirror gazing, before I started interacting with my body just on my own in that way, without a partner, without, um, pressure to perform like internal pressure to perform or to be a certain way how much that kind of self-intimacy has expanded my pleasure capacity and how much that kind of self-intimacy has expanded my ability to know my needs and my wants Mm. um and just how i think one of the reasons why i brought that up in, in conversation with my friend yesterday was because it saddens me that in our in our current culture, that kind of self-intimacy is taboo. It saddens mm. me that it's not just, you know, kind of regular from, from childhood. Like, yes, please know your body, know your body, explore your body because it's the relationship that you're going to be in for the rest of your life. It's the longest relationship you'll have. So, <clears throat> I mean, self-pleasuring, um, finding out what pleasure means for yourself, a, a relationship to your own body is something that 
nearly nobody knows how to approach, let alone teach their children. Mm-hmm. And I'd say most practices begin with shame. Mm-hmm. I'd say I could obviously speak for myself. We're always hiding these things or finding secret places and nobody's knowing about it, especially as you're going through puberty. What would you say is an ideal situation for a parent trying to raise their children going through puberty where they're actually able to consciously teach their children about pleasure and about a relationship to themselves that way? Great question. It's a great question. And I feel hesitant to answer it because I am not a parent yet. Sure. Um, But that's okay. We all make our best guesses. Right. I can speak from the perspective of knowing a few parents that I really admire. Um, Specifically, I'm thinking about one um, uh, who's a a mother, a friend of mine. And she, she, I think she told me that she's like walked in on her son, you know, like masturbating before. And from what I recall her, her telling me that, that at some point she just, she just asked him about it. She just, she just asked him like, um, you know, how, basically like, how's your relationship to your body these days? That, you know, I think that there are ways to talk about sex and sexuality without it necessarily like pinpointing on that action. Um, because ultimately what he was doing was exploring connection to himself and his arousal, which is connection to the body. Um, so there's like that lens from, you know, like the point of view of a connecting with a teenager, which I think can get a, a little bit more challenging. And then another point of view that I have is um, some parents that I know of, of, of two young, young kids, age three and six, um, and they just have books about the body and books about reproduction and books about how the body changes as you go through puberty. And like, the kids are so curious about it and it's not a big deal. The, you know, one of the children is able to, to say like, you know, my, you know, something's happening in, in my vagina. I need to f- like f- figure it out. And there's that sense of awareness of, of her own body and to be able to communicate it like that is so empowering. And, and that's the root I think of where empowered sexuality and sexual experiences come from is, is, is that connection and having, and having that be normal. The door being open from as early of an age as possible is what I'm hearing, right? Like whatever is coming up for the child, that door is open and maybe, maybe some gentle, okay, let's not, you know, go into our vagina in a grocery store kind of situation. (laughs) That's fine that we do this, but let's do this at home and communicate about it along the way and, you know, things like that it's an invitation to yes obligation to talk about it Mm -hmm. i was just gonna say i mean your question first off sorry there's a leaf blower and (laughs) acknowledge the leaf blower okay oh leaf blower uh how you come in at how you how you blow leaves how you blow leaves through our brains on the left and right (laughs) Okay. Anywho, um, I was just going to say like your question was like, how do you tell a kid? And that could be kind of hard because, you know, like you're saying, you're not, you're not mom, but you can talk about the people's experiences. But for you, 
um, because I know you and I know that this is a part of your practice with what you share with others. So a way that I might ask is like, we have this understanding that we are all, um, we look like adults, but we're just children in adult costumes. Right. So instead of thinking about like, how would you tell a kid in puberty? It's like when you have that perspective of just talking to someone who's just naive to it or, or um, ignorant to it or just unaware of it. So when you think about it in that context, like how would you approach someone who is so unaware or uncomfortable mm. um, with that arena of their body, of their life. Yeah, that's a good question. So, so you're asking about, yeah. How would you, like, when you, like, I mean, I think that you have clients and you work in group workshop contexts. Um, and so this, and this may come up with the kind of work that yeah. you offer. And yeah. so what would you, what would that conversation look like for you if you were approaching someone yeah. who's so, you know, unaware? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I have worked with a client before where it was a big part of her story um, was her, her sexual history and the, the challenge in, in being able to um, to honor her, her body um, in, in a sexual context, I think specifically. And just to preface all of this by saying that I, you know, I don't, I don't specifically have have training in, in, in this area specifically. However, like you said, sexual energy and sexual dynamics are a part of the body and being connected to the body. So the way that I typically approach it, knowing that there are things that I would probably want to learn before I like approached it head on to make sure that I was creating the safest container possible. The way that I approached it with her was still from that, that root of, connection to the body, creating safety in the body. So mapping sensation, where does she feel sensation? Where is there, where is there numbness? Wherever the sensation is, follow that sensation and explore what that sensation is saying slash explore what that inner part of self is communicating and sharing about where there could be some pain, where there could be some trauma um, and where there could be um, some desire for a deepening of relationship to be able to create more safety in the body. And I, and I really feel like that's the root that the more that we can connect with these inner parts of ourselves that just lived life and, you know, trauma is kind of a, just a part of, of the deal of being <laughs> human. We all experience trauma, even in, in ways that we wouldn't expect. Um, that I think the root of, of, of what you're asking about feeling like safe in sexuality comes from just feeling safe in self period. What is that? What does that even mean? <laughs> Be safe what, in self. What does being safe in your own body actually mean? It's a great point. Like a lot of times we talk around, not to say Tegan, but in general, like people will talk around certain concepts and then we realize we don't really understand what that certain concept means mm -hmm. for us. And the definition can be very personal. So I'm curious what you, what either of you, what your Im impulsive response, it, what does it mean to you to be safe in yourself? Oh man, <laughs> such a good question. 
And I, it's funny how people say, oh, good question, because we're like, yeah. <laughs> we need a moment to actually reflect on that for a moment. Um, hmm. Pleasure actually does create safety in my body. Mm. Uh, so there's a soothing aspect to pleasure. Mm-hmm. Now, I've noticed how I do that unconsciously, but I do have, I have noticed in most recent years how I do that consciously as well. For example, if I'm uh, beginning a medicine journey, plant medicine journey, that is, I tend to have a lot of anxiety where I feel unsafe. So the first thing that I do is grab a, a myofascial tool to be able to massage my glutes. And I just lay on the floor. I like to feel supported by the floor, especially hardwood floors. Love them. Lay on my back on the floor and put a ball under my glutes. And that allows me to feel the gentle sensation in my glutes and also support by the floor. So that's kind of how it shows up. And then obviously masturbation is a more unconscious and turning into a more conscious version of soothing as well and and safety in my body with that soothing. Um, And I think verbal affirmation can, can help with that as well, just to really express that to myself and allow myself to feel the words that I say in that moment for me. Yeah, I'm like listening to your response. And obviously I know like a lot of the context of this conversation that we get to have with you, Tegan, is about this embodiment and feeling your body. And it's something that I'm just scratching the surface and just starting to try to understand and just kind of understanding how much I am in my head. So instinctively my response to say like, what makes me feel safe Mm. in my body is weird because I, I mean, if I thought about it more, maybe I could come up with some other things. But one of the things I was that I think makes me feel safe is this understanding that things can happen any which way and there's not really a right or wrong. Like basically saying that this is okay. Mm. This moment right here, whether I claim it as good, claim it as bad, claim it as scary, that that, that this moment is allowed And anyway, I could kind of trail off in different directions with that, but, and maybe that is connected to the body in the sense of like this knowing in the, in the head channels into this knowing in the, that calms the body of like, this emotion is okay, or this reaction is okay. And I don't need to shy away from it. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have a reflection based on either of the things? Yeah. Um, something that came up for me while you both were sharing was realizing that um, I tend to think of um, the relationship with my body as, as I've already said, as a a relationship, just like the two of you have a relationship. And so sometimes like a, a, a way to think about um, strengthening the connection and and safety in in the body is to think about, you know, how would I approach feeling safer in my relationship with this person? You might want to talk about things a little bit more. You might want to hold each other a little bit more, you know, have a, have a date. Let's go have a date so we can connect. Um, You know, there, there are all these, all these things. It's the same. That is absolutely amazing. What you just spoke to was essentially what I'm hearing is the love languages that you experience externally, then mirrored internally. 
Right? And that makes total sense. It's the way you experience love. So if we're looking for love from somebody outside of us, our partner, our parents or whatever, yeah. we use those same tools to do that for ourselves. That could be a really simple way for people to be like, oh, duh, like, I want to, I want a back massage from my boyfriend and he won't give it to me. Maybe I can give it to myself for a second and see if I can apply this love and appreciation to myself. So that's awesome. I never thought of it that way. So that's, I appreciate that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, of course what comes up for me, like right after saying that is like, damn, like so many people grew up in in parenting styles that were like really challenging and not sure. nourishing and didn't feel safe and so there are so many people who grew up like not really knowing what healthy safe communication of love feels like so it of course really is common for people who have experienced that in childhood to have a disconnection from their body because in childhood it wasn't safe to be in their body because they would feel things that were really scary. Yeah. So that totally makes sense. And that is valid. And to, you know, whoever is listening, just knowing that you are not broken, if this is something that you've experienced and it's, it's all relationships are built. And the one with your body is, is, is that way as well. And it grows and it changes and it has waves and phases um, and communication is one of the key factors for sure yeah it all comes down to reframing our experiences in some way right like if if uh connection to yourself due to an unsafe childhood lacks if you're able to overcome such things the amount of fulfillment and joy you get in your life is unprecedented like that that's the key right um it's just discovering that for yourself and then finding the tools to be able to then make steps forward and i just want to say that i've met your parents and they're fucking awesome (laughs) if you're listening i love you guys (laughs) i actually when i first met your mom you weren't there when i met your parents you were not at i know and i i i experienced them just as people and i i was really appreciating your mom before i even had any idea that it was your mom right and i told her we kept like going out to the bathroom at the same time be like okay we keep coming across each other for some reason here this is interesting and then i started to actually experience her very similar to ashley here and it was just at the beginning of ashley's and i's relationship i just they they reminded me so much of each other as this energetic uh, not afraid to say what they wanted to say just beautiful human and in sharing that about your parents it seems that you've had you've had many tools in being raised that have allowed you to feel safe because a lot of people are just operating in survive mode, right? And if you're, if you're just in survive mode, it's hard to go to thriving. They're like, I'm just trying to make rent and, and fucking eat some food, let alone feel safe and be embodied, right? So to feel that, that baseline level of safety is, is critical first. So thank you to your parents. Hmm. And thank you to every parent that's doing their best. I understand we're all trying to do our best. Um, Amen. Yeah, totally, totally. parents doing your best. Yeah, I mean, all of us, each of us don't have any children, so we have yeah. no idea what we're talking about in regards to parenting, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, sorry, I could t- totally go off on a tangent, but Ashley, you looked like you wanted to say something. 
I was just thinking about where to go next. And I was just thinking, you know, we've kind of jumped into specific categories, but I to kind of zoom back out. Yeah. You know, we were talking about how important being connected with your body is for you and where that story started for you with theater and things like that. And um, I think we've kind of like let the cat out of the bag. Like you, like you work in this arena in some way, but like, what was that transition for you? Like, realizing that this was a passion something that was very important something of high value and how did you figure out like okay I want to I don't know help others with this and how do I do that like what does that uh process look like for you and and how does that actualize because doing it yourself and teaching it way fucking different. different things absolutely I agree yeah so um again referencing back to being in the theater, I recall there were a few roles that I played that really felt like it was the kind of theater that I wanted to be doing, which was theater that one, made people think, made people reconsider the ways that they were living their lives, have a new kind of perspective on life and humaning. Mm. And then two, potentially have that performance, that character, that play, whatever it was in that theatrical arena, offer some kind of healing. It, it's, it, I, wow. I, again, I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily have the words to articulate it at the time, but I just remember after certain performances of, of certain characters that I would play, um, like talking to people afterwards um, and hearing hearing reflections about how about how healing some of the performance was whether it was that someone was resonating with the character or they saw an interaction happen between two characters during the play that resembled something that they had gone through and they got some kind of closure mm-hmm. um you know there's so there's so much opportunity for that so i think it was always in me in some de- degree um but then it really hit me when when I was taking that year of travel and taking a break from theater and I was you know sitting with the fear of like what am I gonna do if I don't act who even am I you know do I do I know who I am without the theater um and in that time of introspection and travel and seeing more of the world and meeting more people and exploring my body and listening to what my body was saying and on a deeper level to what my soul was trying to say. Mm. Um, I just kept getting hit with this, this call to just like, I really, I really wanted to be of service. I really wanted to more directly use the, the gifts that I have um, to be able to, to help, help people in some way. Um, And this is just what it manifested as um, because this is what, brings me joy mm. as well. So space, space is a big one there for you in that moment when you stepped away from this passion of yours and it kind of reformed itself as you kind of addressed the relationship to yourself with that spaciousness. And was that the, the travel that you did with Terrence on the, okay, very interesting journey? <laughs> it's somewhat relative to, uh, we don't have to get into it if you don't like, but it's kind of relative and we can give some background to the to how we met and terrence and stuff uh, we're about to obviously travel in a trailer here this is the whole um theme around our podcast and what we're offering 
very much inspired by you and what you did with your partner, Terrence, who is obviously an influential figure to me. I met you through Journeys of Wisdom, at which time you were dating Terrence and you guys had gone there together. And I had only spent a little bit of time with him first before that, meeting him at one of them. And then he brought you and I met you and our relationship went from there. So how was journeying in that manner, which you can explain um, with the spaciousness of this, this passion of yours acting and then that transformation along that, that path, that journey, and then coming out of the other side. Right. Oh my I don't goodness. get your question. <laughs> you get the question? I, I, th- I think I do. I, I think it, it, what I'm hearing you say is, um, well, one piece is about, about the journey. Like, like how, how was, how was that traveling with a, with a partner, you know, my, my partner at that time and the intensity of that. And then another piece is how did, like feeling that spaciousness ultimately like land me in what I'm doing. Is that exactly the nice work? That's precise. <laughs> if I don't ever understand <laughs> him, I'll just ask him for him to reiterate things to you and you could translate. <laughs> speed dial. She, ha- she has a little bit of a block to the language that I use. So it, it you reframed it perfectly. Or your perfect. language you use is just wrong. I mean, we <laughs> anyway, she, she got the question. Let's see where she goes with it. Now she forgot the question. <laughs> this is more fun i'll just watch you guys you guys (laughs) argue and (laughs) we could go for days (laughs) Uh, um so first part of the part of the question um yeah traveling traveling with terrence um my my then partner who we were together for about five years um i mean there were aspects of it that were extraordinary life changing in the best of ways and so beautiful and rich an experience I will never forget and I will be forever grateful for and also aspects of it which I think contributed to why it was so powerful that were so hard so hard oh my goodness so so hard and I think he would agree with me um that yeah, traveling with a partner in that kind of confined space is not easy. Um, and I think that it taught both of us so much about, as I already said, buzzword, communication. Um, about communication, about knowing our needs and asking for what we need. And then also about what you brought up, Tyler, which, which I think is so beautiful, about space. Space from something can sometimes be so much more beneficial than actually spending spending time with something um, to be able to gain clarity and perspective and also a longing, like like a clear longing to be connected to that thing. So there were times during our travels where we intentionally spent time apart. And sometimes those were those were really healing times for us because it it reminded us why we were traveling in the first place together, um, the, the ways that we really were a great team. Um, and, you know, it also illuminated the ways that we were really, we had a lot of challenges in our partnership, um, which ultimately you know, led to um, our separation uh, about, about a year ago. But what I'm grateful for in that journey um, and in, in who he is as a person, in, in who I am as a person, how we came together, 
um, was that we were willing throughout the journey to, to have that awareness in ourselves of those things and to be able to talk about it. So that when the breakup did come, it wasn't actually a surprise to either of us. It was just, it was just painful. Um, which, you know, pain sucks, but it's better than being really surprised and in pain, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that he, um, from, from what I recall from him sharing with me and, and his reflections about my growth over that year and, and the ways that I was blooming and changing, like he could see, he could see, he could tell, he could sense how I was yearning for a new kind of adventure in myself, how I was ready for that in, in my life, a new path. Um, and so he was really supportive of me, you know, going to take my first embodiment training in Bali and going to do this, um, shamanic dearmoring experience, which, which was really powerful and, and also kind of scary in some ways, you know, he, he was, um, even though I think he knew that in, in ways me growing like that might, might have pulled me away from the dynamic of the relationship, um, that he, he still was supportive of my growth. And I'm really grateful for that. So how, now that you've experienced this, this context of this relationship where you've, you've experienced extreme growth and ultimately to a place where you're now on separate paths, what is that reflection like for you moving forward in new partnerships? Because I think you could probably agree that we are constantly growing, especially if you're someone who's willing to kind of reflect and, and be aware. And I think that's you. So, so I don't know, what does that look like for you in future relationships where you may still experience leaps and bounds of growth? So is that something where it just depends on the dynamic of the relationship? Like, can you grow, can one person or two people experience leaps and bounds of growth and still be together? And if that's the case, like what's at play there? Right. God. So again, such a good question. Not that you know all the answers because you're only like you right. said in one yeah. year, but you know, just yeah. to contemplate it. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I love the contemplation. And uh, yeah, also like, as you're asking the question, there's like a, an inner part, part of me that, you know, can like imagine myself like way, way into old age and, and like having all this wisdom on the answer of this question. There's another part of me sitting right here, you know, 28 years old, like, Jesus, there's so much life I haven't lived. <laughs> How can I answer this? Um, <laughs> But um, uh, what comes up for me is that I, I, am, I am in a, a new partnership right now um, and he's lovely and I adore him. And one of the things that I really appreciate about him and us as a dynamic together is that we're both really invested in our growth we're both kind of rapid changers, rapid learners. We really love learning and exploring and experimenting. And so at the moment for, so, so far, um, we've been, we've been dating for um, like roughly like eight months, something like that, almost a year. Um, and 
So like, again, I have no idea what the future will hold. It could be a similar situation where we just keep growing, 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 growing. And then ultimately a space comes where it's like, we've grown so much. And unfortunately at one point, the growth led us in different directions and it doesn't work anymore. That's possible. But so far, what it's felt like is that the growth that we're having um, seems to be leading us both in a very similar direction. So even though we're both expanding it's like we're we're expanding in ourselves but we're doing it side by side um which feels really lovely you know to be supported in that way and also to know in myself and to feel from him that we both just want what is best for each other um to be happy and to really experience the full expression of who we are in this lifetime even if that means um even if it if it yeah means not being together um and and i think that that is um a great expression of true love Mm. for for yourself and for the other person because you don't really sync up with someone and love up on them with this idea that you're not going to be with them someday but um something that i've put in words in other contexts is like i don't want to be a cage for tyler like i want us to explore and experience our lives but yes it is side by side but we're individual and we're experiencing ourselves while we're experiencing them experiencing themselves and vice versa and and it's almost like a foundation of of a successful relationship as long as it can be is this baseline understanding that as, as cheesy as it sounds, but I don't think people really understand what it means to really feel it is like, you know, just wanting that other person to be happy, no matter what that might look like. And so. Compersion. Compersion. Yeah. Fancy words. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's such an interesting question. I mean, like it, it's just contemplation and it's just about like, you know, balancing idealistically what might something look like and and it sounds like with your current relationship you're blessed with in the moment experiencing similar types of growth but if there are other people out there listening that you know are feeling feeling growth but maybe trapped by some sort of relationship whether that's romantic or the expectations that your family have of you being a certain kind of way. I mean, that's a whole other category is like, it's not just romantic partnerships. Like we can't really leave family in the dust. Like you can decide how close you are to them, but they're always going to be there. And you may experience growth that propels you to shine in a different way that your family is totally unfamiliar with and it's about like getting comfortable with that, like getting comfortable with um, showing up as you are and giving space for other people to, I don't know, learn who you are now. I don't know where I'm going with this, but. No, no, no. And this, I mean, I, I think I can, I can riff off of what, what you're saying in that, like, again, thanks mom and dad. You're awesome. Love you so much. They were always really supportive of, whatever path I wanted to take um and still are like (laughs) like I remember when I was first getting really curious about the the energetics of sexuality and becoming a little bit more liberated and free in my sexuality 
um, and, and being comfortable with myself more and more. And I remember having a conversation with my dad about potentially looking into becoming a, a sexological body worker which is you know it's 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 therapy but it's like it's it's touching people's bodies and specifically sometimes touching their genitals to be able to um invite healing i'm probably butchering the description for any sexological body workers out there honor what you do you're amazing i i'm i'm sorry if that description was awful um and like i had that conversation with my dad and he was like okay great like i'm like, <laughs> I don't know what was going on inside of him, but I know that he was like, she's on her path. <clears throat> you know, she's listening. She's following what she, what she wants to do. Um, and then as a contrast, I know that my, my current um, partner that, you know, I, I, I don't want to share specifics about um, uh, his um, family connection, but I know that it wasn't quite as free flowing as, as my parents um, and I know that that's, that's more common for, for parents to try to um, maybe like usher their kids in a certain direction. And I think so much of that just comes from really wanting their kids to be safe or, or the parents wanting to feel safe um, yeah. by not having their kids live as risky lives, you know. Um, and I'm sure like especially with the um, <clears throat> puritanical nature of our elder generations like it scares them because they don't know it they don't know open sexuality they don't know as much freedom as we might have the opportunity to express um so it scares them right they don't they don't know about it um if they knew what it felt like they might enjoy it but you know it takes a step forward to to get there um but I've actually explored this idea with Ashley, the, the working of um, a sexological worker. My experience of them is called as like a tantrika. Mm. Have you heard that term? I have. I don't know if there's a difference between the two, but um, yeah. Anyways, in my body with new or potential sexual intimacy, my body will actually tremble. Uh, in my groin. So my legs will kind of tremble in certain positions. And I also have a hard time, and you know, this is going deep into the sexual realm, receiving certain things. Um, So I know that there are walls and traumas there somewhere. So I was exploring in this relationship with Ashley, if I could work with somebody that could help me break down these barriers and walls, which is super um, interesting, awkward, Uh, edgy, right? Like I'm in a relationship. Why can't my partner help me do this? Right. Is a question that people might be considering for themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have not gone there, but the idea of it, and I I just think it could be so influential to, to gain an intimacy practice with somebody, anybody that can help you break down those barriers and walls. Um, And obviously having a partner that can help you do that is huge, which actually kind of leads me into my next question. Do you have any like conscious practices with your current partner about embodiment or exploration that helps you both feel safe uh, in exploration in yourselves in your relationship i love that question so the first thing that comes to mind is that we're both we're both so physical um in different in different ways so like my 
my go-to is typically dance, very creative, flowy movement. Um, and his, his go-to um, seems to be like, he, he also do, does dance, but he's really experimental with his body. He wants, you know, he taught himself how to do a handstand and, and he's working on a handstand push up right now. And, you know, he, he really likes kind of exploring all the different things that his body can do and kind of challenging it in that way and reaching, reaching new levels. And so I find that when him and I are, are physical with each other and maybe not even necessarily touching and being physical with each other, although that is also a very beneficial and delicious part of our relationship, um, that there's, there's a lot of trust that's born, I find, from that. Whether we're going on a hike together, that's a little bit challenging. And, you know, we have to work through some hurdles together in whatever kind of nature spot we're in. Or we're, you know, playing with acro yoga together a little bit. Or he's doing a workout and I'm trying it for the first time and he's showing me some stuff. I find that there's a lot of trust and intimacy built there because we are inviting ourselves to be vulnerable with each other as we as we literally grow in the moment in front of each other using our bodies um, by trying new things and being challenged and being willing to show up in those challenges and laugh about it sometimes or say, I'm actually not sure how to do this. Can you, can you show me? Um, so I think there's just a lot of willingness between the two of us to, to be wrong also to, be awesome at it and get it right. Um, and to be playful, to just be, be playful with how we're showing up in, in our bodies. And, and I definitely believe and and, you know, this references back to theater as well, that playfulness, it actually, for some people can be really scary to be playful because it's not like a try to get it right based practice. And so if you can be playful with your partner, I think that there's so much room for that translating into other spaces like sexual relationship, um, better conversation, communication. Yeah. Um, Tegan, I'm not sure you got the memo. We can't play in our culture these days. <laughs> Did you not know that? Like if you're not, uh, no, not I just really miss the memo because I'm if, doing that all the time. If you're not accomplishing tasks, making money or doing something, you're fucking up. So I don't know. What's going, I don't All right. know what's I'm calling from a different planet. No, <laughs> I know. I know. I yeah. see it. I, yeah. I, yeah. I feel that around, around my bubble of myself and some of my friends and it's, it's true. It's a thing. Do those, um, those like kind of the things you say, like the way to be like this stereotypical way in America to be successful and like things about money, like do those things like creep in? I mean, you know, you are, you know, fairly secure on what your truths are and you've got a community around you that is very like-minded, but as you just said, like, you know, you can't get away from that, especially living in some place like California as we do. So do those, do those, other people's opinions of what success and financial success look like creep into your world. And if they do, how do you manage that? Absolutely. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's something that I've been spending more conscious time, like working through and with my 
um, energetic challenges with money this year specifically has been really big for me. Um, and certainly I will look at people outside of myself, even other family members and be like, you know, you're, you're killing it and you're doing such a good job. And you know, why can't I be that <laughs> successful? What am, what am I doing wrong? Um, come, comes up. Uh, and at the same time, you know, and I, I feel like we've heard, we've heard this, this kind of um, reframe quite often that very often you'll, you'll look at those people who have a lot of money and in themselves, they're really unhappy. They're not connected to their bodies, which essentially means that in their relationships, there's huge disconnects in their relationships and their relationships are not really fulfilling their lives. So the people that I admire the most are, are those that they're making, they're making the, the money that allows them to live, live the life that they want, but they're not letting it get in the way of the more important thing, which is the relationships and that sense of connection in their life. And so I think that's what I have prioritized for most of my life. And I've been really, really lucky and privileged to not, um, to not be in financial situations that have been that severe. I've, I've always been pretty stable, um, which like definitely allowed me to be more relaxed in my being, to be able to cultivate relationships more, focus more on that. Um, but yeah, when it, when it comes to then wanting, I, I do want to feel even more secure and able to use money to not only be able to do other things that I want to do and have a greater sense of freedom, but also to be able to offer money to other causes that I think are really important. Um, yeah, I, I'm sh short and long answer, but the short answer is, I'm still working with it. There's a lot of shit to work through. Okay. So I just wrote you a $10 million check. I'm going <laughs> to put it in the mail. What are those causes that you're going to use this money for? Because until I get several reasons, I'm not going to send it out, but I would like to hear. And as soon as I hear going to the, to the, to the, uh, what are they called? Post office. <laughs> so it sounds so like, Kind and also confrontational at the same time. You want her to like pitch you or something? No, no, no. I mean, the whole like bribery thing just came after, but like I wanted you to consider if you had the money, yeah. what are those causes and, and how would you work with that, that financial um, benefit? Yeah. The, the first thing that comes up for, for me, which has like been living in me as a dream for a long time is to start a school. Mm. Um, and start a school that has structures in place, um, to be able to accommodate, <laughs> accommodate people in lower income communities to be able to get really amazing education and not just education of the mind, but education of the body. And so that's, yeah, that's a deep passion of of mine and I don't know if that would look specifically like me starting up my own school or or realizing oh my god somebody already did this let me give them <laughs> support you know or yeah. let me yeah do do what I can but like that that yeah that feels some really sort of consultation 
situation where you have some sort of program in place and schools can hire you and you can come in and like put this in place within the infrastructure they already have mm-hmm. so that could be another way too and I love that it's so cool yeah yeah I mean to me I'm just like fucking yeah. find my kids up I don't have any but <laughs> sounds good to me I, if you're if you're starting a curriculum I'm into it um and just in reflecting on like schools now like if you want to get the the actual top level education how much it costs is wild like i hear some figures about the bay area and like the top elementary schools even what it's costing to go to high level preschool it's like what yeah and you know sure as hell for paying thousands of dollars they're not focusing on play they're certainly not focusing on relationships there's not a chance you're definitely not going to learn how to do your taxes <laughs> i don't know i feel like you might learn that there but no <laughs> no I, there, unless you're taking a program specifically for that yeah i've been yeah kind of pissed <laughs> off that more schools don't like that that's not just inherently a part of it <sighs> right like understanding money understanding the dynamics of money um there are some really beautiful schools um in ojai uh where where part of my family lives um and then also i was yeah privileged enough to be able to go to a school in massachusetts where the the structure of that school was kind of an unschool um Mm. no uh set classes unless the students created the classes and so it was really self wow um how were you lucky to go to that i was at that school from i think age seven to like age 12 or 13. Holy shit. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't realize you guys didn't know this. Yeah. What kind of classes did you come up with? (laughs) So for the first, this actually probably describes a lot about my personality. Um, For the first like three years, I just played. I was outside. I was barefoot. I was climbing trees. I was in the art room. I was painting. I was building things with clay. Um, and so, and what's also great about the school is that the, the, you can go there, I think from like age four till age like 16, 17. Um, which uh, also just to mention, this is very similar to one of the schools in, in Ojai, which is called Rock Tree Sky. It has like similar um, outline. Uh, and there are some other schools around the country that have, have this similar thing. And so what I loved about that was that as like a seven-year-old, I got to have relationships and conversations with like 15 and 16-year-olds and it was normal. Whereas in most schools, you know, kids are typically placed within their age group. Yeah. And, and even though in some, in some ways, maybe that would make sense, but, but ultimately I don't, I don't, it doesn't feel like life. When you're walking around in life, you're meeting people with different experience levels, um, different levels of emotional intelligence, regardless of what age they are. And so I think it's so beneficial to have the freedom to be able to create relationships with those that you resonate with, regardless of their age. And so I got to do that. I was really lucky that I got to do that. That sounds so amazing. I'm just like in a little bit of disbelief that such a thing actually exists. You're so right. I mean, think of maturity in general, how much maturity you might gain from 
even if it's let's say seven years old to a 10 year old not even 15 like somewhat a little bit closer but still older than what you are it's a natural progression in maturity at least that's my projection onto it 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 seems that way right Uh, well so so a fun flip to that is i remember like one of the most vivid memories that I have from school was actually walking in one day and you have to walk through this kind of sitting area to get into the sign-in sheet for the day. And I remember walking through and there was like this young, like five-year-old kid having like this deep intellectual discussion with like uh, an 11 or 12 year old. And I remember after I signed in, I went and I listened to their conversation for like, half an hour, 45 minutes. And what I remember, like, I think the lesson that I learned viscerally from from witnessing that conversation was that the 11 or 12 year old was gaining just as much mm. from talking to the five-year-old as the five-year-old was talking to, to, to them. That like wisdom doesn't always, you know, have a connection to how old you are. Yeah. And I would imagine as like a slightly older child, you know, typically, at least in my experience of like, let's say being in eighth grade, looking at a fifth grader, I'd be like, oh my God, don't even talk to me. Like, (laughs) I don't want to have anything to do with you because there's a separation and a judgment of I'm higher than you. I'm older than you. I know more than you. Or just different playgrounds. I remember even at my elementary school, the like the kindergartners, kindergartners were in their own section the first through third graders were in their own section and then the upper class and were like, it was this whole other world. You didn't have exposure at all. So, yeah. I mean, how could somebody that's older respect anything younger than them? If that's the case for me, for sure. And right. If it's been set up as a hierarchical system. Yeah. 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 And you know, yeah. So why'd you leave that school? Um, Cause I mean, it sounds like you would just be there till the end of your days. I left to act. Oh. oh. Mhm. So so I first discovered that acting was what I wanted to do around 12 and then I stayed at school for like one more year and then I left and started doing projects in Boston like little short films and um that was basically my school was exploring the life of an actor and thank you so much mom for going to all these auditions with me and <laughs> um And then I thought that I wanted to go out to LA and just start, you know, like, I'm going to do, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to just do this dive in. And I was lucky enough to find Walnut Hill School for the Arts, um, where when I talked to the teachers there, I I discovered that there would be tremendous value in actually getting some training rather than just going right into the business, which is, you know, some, some kids can start from a young age and do it, but a lot of what I've seen is that those that start from a young age and then just ride it all the way through, there's definitely a lot of, um, a lot of mental, emotional challenges that can come with the territory from starting that young. Big time, big time. Yeah. Wow. So did you ever go to like a, like a stereotypical school? Like how did, do you, did you get like a high school diploma or like, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I did. I went to a public school right right before I went to Sudbury Valley, which was the hippie school. Um, and I was homeschooled for, I think, two years with my brother before that. And that was a, a teacher who, who came to, to teach us for, for a bit. And so that was much more structured and, you know, learning science and math and reading, writing, all of that. Um, and then when I was at 
the performing arts high school, the first portion of the day was like kind of regular school stuff, math and history and science and all that. And then the second half of the day was all arts. And then it was a similar structure where I went to college um, at University of Michigan, where part of it was arts and part of it was life, which is arts. I went to Michigan for college. What's that? I had no idea you went to Michigan for college. Did you know she did? No. Wow. (laughs) You're just a little box of wonder, aren't you? So much about each other today. This is great. (laughs) So what else don't we know that we should know? That's that's a tough answer. Tough answer to question. That's what I was about to say. (laughs) You can tell my mind is getting a little jumbly. I'm eating strawberries. Good. Oh, that's okay. Um, I think I have, oh, so something that you mentioned earlier that I found intriguing that I noted, this is way back, is you mentioned a a relationship of the body to the soul. Sure. And I think that in embodiment, you know, we're we're talking on like a a physical level embodiment, a little bit more like logistical, pragmatical kind of speaking. Uh, You know, I, I know where my body is and I can look at my body and so on when we take it another step into a little bit more of a spiritual realm, such as like, what is our soul and what is our soul's relationship to our body or vice versa? I think that's going to be something that people might not connect or understand as well, but I'd love to hear about your experience or idea of such a, such a connection. Mm. Yeah. Nice pickup. So for me, when I started doing, when I started doing that um, embodiment practice one hour a day for that year, um, even though I was, I was definitely listening to what my body was telling me. And when I say that, I really mean like it, it, like there would be days where I could feel like my legs were, you know, saying like, give us more activation, like do some squats or something. We want to feel strong, you know? Um, Or, you know, my belly being like, I feel really bloated. Can you rub me? But then there would be times when I would get really quiet and what I would hear when I was connected to my body, I would hear what was within the vessel, which is the thing that's ultimately giving it life and making all the cogs turn. Why is my heart beating? I don't know. (laughs) 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 What started this? Um, (laughs) 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 And so when I would listen to that, yeah, so this is, this is, yeah, really getting into the spiritual realm, realm of things that I, I, I feel like my, my spirit, my soul underneath my personality and and my ego um, and my physical presence in this life is it's, it's the thing that's, that's breathing me in, in, in a direction in this lifetime. Mm. And I've spent enough time in meditation with this. mm, It's like, it's like a, a, a deep light with with within me and i can feel when the light is getting brighter which typically makes me feel like i i'm i'm in alignment with what i'm supposed to be doing Mm. and then i can feel when it's getting dimmer and i start feeling more anxious i start 
feeling disconnected from the people around me. I start, you know, like wanting to neglect my embodiment practices because I know if I connect, I'll feel some shitty things. Mm. Um, and, and so that connection to that light and whether it's bright or it's dim, or if I'm feeling a yes in my body or a no in my body, they're all, they're all connected. And, and that's why for me, embodiment is not just a connection with the physical because I feel like the physical is a messenger for, for my, for my spirit and where my spirit is wanting me to grow in this lifetime. And that's just yeah, my perspective. I, I fucking love that. And I totally agree in that, like, this is, this is our tool of noticing what's beneath, what's deeper or higher. However, you know, whatever you experience, um, something outside of what we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it really is a gift if you can find yourself witnessing that. And I just noticed you took a deep breath in that. It's like your body and spirit kind of knew, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And the way I see it is kind of, at least the way I can most simply recognize it is if I witness myself breathing without trying to breathe. Mm. It's just going, like you said, this heart is still beating. (laughs) There's something that's causing this rhythmic motion within my body um, and it's just that that's just how I, I see it and kind of trying to connect to it myself. Um, but yeah, I, I thank you for sharing that. That was not a easy question to answer by any means. And I've not heard many people talk about that in general. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. That actually gave this idea of embodiment a whole other layer for me. Um, I, you know, that it's more than just like this physical body and it really is this tool that can connect us deeper or higher. And I see, I saw Tyler writing it down on his little notepad when it came to him when you were talking earlier and he <laughs> circled it. So it's definitely worth coming back to. Um, I, I, I'm just curious, like, so for me, yeah. Um, one thing that I feel like I relate to you on is, is having so many interests, like being just interested in so many things. And so we're segueing in my head to a different thing. Um, I know that you are working on this photography book. And the last time we saw you in person, you just were starting to share with us that this was something happening in the background. And we kind of talked about um, self-identifying as a photographer or, or as an artist, which is, um, you know, something like the photographer aspect was new to you. And how do you claim this confidence in this title and this work? And um, just, Talk to us about that journey because it's a whole other layer of Tegan. Yeah, thank you. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're a thick onion, my friend. We're just <laughs> right. Peeling the layers. The layers. <laughs> Can I, oh my God. We should all wear t shirts that say thick onions. Yeah. That might be the first. Um, we might create merch for journey doses, though. And the first thing could be a t shirt that says thick onions. Oh, thick onions. We'll give you commission. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but, anyways, tell us um, about this. Yeah. So. So this photography book is called The Emotional Body, quite in line with a lot of what we've been talking about. (laughs) Um, It is almost done. I'm on like the final, final draft. I hope I'm, you know, this is (laughs) 
where a lot of my <laughs> perfectionistic side, like the shadow sides of my perfectionism can come out when it gets towards the end of something. I'm like, it's not ready. It's not <laughs> done and it never will be. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's very close and it's really, it, you know, I, I think it's really beautiful. Um, and essentially what it is, it, it actually, it, it does feel connected to what we were just talking about when it comes to the spirit moving through the body um, and, and the way that it guides us. Because I feel like this photography book, it, like, it, it, just, it decided that it wanted to be a book. Like I keep, that's how I keep describing it because I don't feel like I chose to make a book. It was like, this needs to be a book, Tegan, get off your ass and do it. And so what it began as was I had just finished a, a, um, an embodiment training. And during that training, I was taking some photos with one of the other trainees and we were using some of the practices of just movement meditations, being present with the body, moving the way that, that our emotions were guiding us to move rather than the mind guiding us to move and taking photos of, of each other in that process. And so when I got back from Bali, I was like, why would I just leave that experience there? I want to share that with other people. And I'm so curious to see if this is the kind of thing that can be experienced by just the general person and not someone who's studying embodiment. And so um, I asked for volunteers to be a part of this photography study is what I called it um, of exploring the way that emotions move the body. And I photographed 10 people before the pandemic happened. Um, but I'm glad that it was only 10. It was a really wonderful, intimate group. Um, photographed each of them individually. And that was what, what, what we, what we did. We, we, we started with, um, with the body, with the emotions, inviting whatever was present to be exactly as it needed to be in that space. Um, and, and, you know, we created the container together so that me being there with a camera was not, you know, a huge distraction for them, but that like, really it was an extension of my loving presence just wanting to hold them in their experience of themselves and to be able to witness that um and so wow. i captured some photos and they bring me to tears because <laughs> they're so raw and beautiful um and that's pretty much the book that's the great thing about photography is that there's room for interpretation right yes. we get to experience the rawness of a still image that causes an impact on us and that's our impact so what you said about holding them in the experience of themselves i was like fuck yes that was fucking awesome and as a coach as a guide in any way that's all we can do and that, that's probably why it touched me so much because that's exactly what i'm trying to create for the people that i have get to work with as well and i'm very inspired by image and visual like seeing things like that, like very visually oriented learner. And for me, like to anticipate that, because I don't remember seeing the, a book like that with the intention of showing emotion and body or embodiment and just allowing myself to feel what it's offering me. So I'm mm -hmm. personally very excited to experience it. 
What I love about the story beyond, I love what Tyler's saying as well, but what I love about it is this reminder that if the more we experience in life, the more we will be able to experience. It seems sort of like I'm talking in a circle, but like sometimes it's like this, the first step is the hardest or it's like, I want to, you know, I want to do all these great things, but I don't really know how to start or what they, what they're really going to look like or whatever. And you just start with your passion and, you know, you just experienced this community getting together, working, like, you know, working on this fun little project and that inspired you and it inspired you to not even make a book. It wasn't even the ultimate inspiration. It was just like inspired you to this next level, this next step. And you just kind of like, I think sometimes the most beautiful things that we get to experience in life really grow organically. And it's not like we start them because we, we have this big, strong vision of what they could be. It's literally just like, I've experienced life. I'm inspired. I'm going to do this thing. I did this thing and I'm really inspired. I'm looking at it. And I'm really inspired. And, and I, it's inspiring me to make a book. And now you're going to publish a book and you're going to get the reactions from that. You're going to, you may take a little time away from that project and who knows what will come from it. And so for me, the, the exciting thing about this story is like, you know, you're not, I, in, in, in the stories that you shared with us, it's not like there's this big, strong theme of like you identifying as, as a photographer or as someone who wants to publish a book. It wasn't necessarily like a strong theme. Maybe it hovers in the background in some way, but, but it, it actualizes from this just random inspiration. And so for people who are like looking for something, you know, sometimes it's just being open and just experiencing what opportunities are in front of you. And when you're open to experiencing them, that's when inspiration and creativity strikes, you know, you can't force those things. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that has tended to be a lot of the way that I've lived my life has been following the inspiration of the moment um, rather than thinking, you know, 20 years from now, this is what I'm going to be. And so I'm going to just, you know, move on the path to be that. And maybe there was a little bit of that when I was in my acting career, but luckily, luckily the, you know, the, the craft of acting is all about being in the moment anyway, (laughs) to be able to be authentic. And so, you know, in, in that training, even though I was like, I want to move out to LA one day and, and act, I still, I still had to be in each, in each moment along the journey. And if at any point the inspiration and the love and the passion of what I was doing changed or went away, that was always a sign to me. Okay. I should be doing something different. Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, you know, the balance of impulsiveness to spontaneity on the inspiration, right? It's like, sometimes things will present themselves as an opportunity. And in my experience of myself, I jump really quickly to that thing and I go right into it real quick. And sometimes I judge that in myself as being impulsive. Uh, But I also appreciate that in myself because at least it's a choice that I got to learn from. Right. Right. Rather than doing nothing and then regretting something later, I'd rather live that way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, you get to have so many more experiences. And like you said, yeah, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, you learn a great lesson. 
And then you, and that gives you more wisdom to be able to make even more aligned choices along, along the road. Yeah. I think, I think being afraid of trying something is, yeah, definitely kind of a, a hole that, that people can get stuck in sometimes. Yeah. I've gotten stuck in before too. Yeah. I have a couple more questions before we wrap up. I uh, appreciate your time so far. Um, you two are I, fun to talk to. Oh God. Yeah. Well, there's going to be more, more fun convos I foresee in the future. Absolutely. Um, I have two more. Ashley might have some as well, but, uh, the first one I want to ask is what are you most afraid of right now? Ooh. Tyler, you always ask such, such, I don't know the right word for it. You ask good questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what am I most afraid of right now? Hmm. Wow, it's really hard to connect to that question, maybe because connecting to fear is like, mm. you know, there's an impulse in the body not to do that. Sure. Hmm. There, okay. What I'm connecting to actually connects to the last time someone asked me this question was about a year ago. Um, I was. I was sitting with my current partner actually, and um, we were asking each other vulnerable questions. And it this this connects to like kind of a, a little core fear that that I that I have um, about kind of being insignificant in in life and the things that I'm doing and feel so passionate about and feel um, so drawn to pursue and to share. There is a fear in me sometimes that, um, that it won't make impact and that people won't care um, and that it won't matter. And as I'm saying this, you know, there's a, maybe it's a part of my soul that's piping up that's like, it doesn't all matter in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, <laughs> we're all going to die. <laughs> oh, God. And, you know, none of this will be remembered one day, um, which is true, morbid, but true. Um, but in, you know, in the connection to this life being an opportunity and me not wanting to waste this opportunity, um, sometimes that fear comes up of, you know, the way that I'm living, is it like, am I, am I really making the most of this time? Man. <laughs> I feel what about you? Not. What about you? I want to hear your fears. I mean, I, de- I mean, it's hard for me to not think of that for myself as I ask the question, of course. So as you're pondering it, I'm pondering it like, well, fuck, I better have a good answer as well. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing that came to, well, there were two things that came to mind. Um, on a more superficial level, it's my next ayahuasca journey, scaring the shit out of me. And on a deeper level, very similar in the what you shared was mediocrity in a way is not, um, not living my most potential, whatever that means to me. Um, I'm just I wonder like, if you picked that up for me because I was just sitting and thinking about that. One second. Oh yeah, go ahead. I wonder if you picked that up from. I was just in here and thinking, what would my fear be? And I don't, I don't think I 
got those words yet, but I was also thinking something to like not living up to your potential. Like I have this, a part of me has this feeling where I know that I'm capable of so much and I feel this like fire burning and I feel like there's really something very magical that the culmination of all my experiences in life will lead to that I can, you know, help others with or something. And I don't fully know exactly what that is yet. Um, but then there's a part of me that's afraid that that, 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 that doesn't exist and that that's not actually going to actualize. Well, it's interesting to consider that we think that that sensation might come eventually when it could already be here now. Yeah. Um, and that, I'm not sure that makes sense to the listeners, but like the pursuance of more or further or more whole is just a denial of our wholeness right now. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's something you've picked up from conversations you've had and I have had about oh, always yeah. wanting to be. Yeah. Ashley is always like, you know, actually I learned this from Terrence cause I coached with him oh, a few times. So let's yeah. bring this, let's connect all the dots here. <laughs> I, Terrence shared with me this idea because I have this strong like motivation to always like I always want to be the best version of myself I always want to be a better version of myself I always thought that that was that that was a really pure intention and then I kind of uncovered uh the the fear aspect of the motivation behind that and then one of the things he presented to me was, was this idea which I've now shared with Tyler as well is this idea of like if we're always trying to be a the best a better version of ourselves then in some way are we telling ourselves that the version we are right now is not good enough. So you think you, you know, you've refra- you framed it in this really positive way of like, I just want to always be the best version. And I want to be, I always want to be better. And, but subconsciously, what does that mean? It means that you feel like you're not enough. And so, oh my God, to reflect on this idea that potentially I'm in this constant state of feeling like I am not enough as I am now. Well, then how can I ever feel satisfied? Because you're, you're going to set this benchmark and you're going to think that you reach it, but right before you reach it, the benchmark goes up higher. So you're never actually getting to where you want to go. And then you're just constantly living in this, like, I'm not enough. And this is something I've shared with Tyler that he seems to connect with. I mean, I'm, I know you're, I'm not saying that you're unaware of this idea, but I've shared, we've, I've brought it up in conversation. Ashley's really good at re-inviting the question to me. (laughs) I've heard this and, I will, I'm sure, play with this concept for a very long time. Um, yeah, we're, we're familiar with this. So do you have another interesting question? You said um, you have two. We only have one more question. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, he- I haven't heard your voice in a second. Hi, hello. There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, so this is, this is the question that we want to finish all of our podcasts with. And you're actually the first person that Ashley and I have interviewed together. So first, I just want to give you a little round of applause. You've done so well. If I had to grade you. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, But the last question is, what do you feel is the most influential journey you've ever been on has been for you? That could be like a vacation journey that could be like an inward journey that could be a plant medicine journey. It could be whatever you want it to be. Wow. The most influential journey. Damn. <laughs> um, and I need to sit with this one for a second. That's a big ask. Yeah, it's okay. Please sit with it. No rush. And we'll sing the Jeopardy music in the background. Oh, I really that. pressure you. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> and it doesn't, and if you want to let go of it being the most, you can pick. Yeah, one. yeah, you know, instantly I'm like, meh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there are a few things that come to mind. Um, one thing that's a little bit more of like kind of a, a broad uh you know, maybe spiritual answer to your question is the most influential journey is this one that, you know, I was born into this family and under these circumstances, getting to experience these things, like what a fucking ride, super grateful for it. Um, another thing that comes to mind, like when, when, when you said, um, Ash, like plant medicine, first time that I ever did LSD. Oh Yeah like the veil was lifted. Um, I didn't even realize I had a veil until I did that, that journey. Um, you know, and I, and I felt like leading up to doing it, there was, you know, at least a, like a pulse in me that led me towards the craving to do it in the, in the first place, which I think was the pulse that knew that a veil needed to be lifted. Um, so that was incredible. Um, another thing that comes to mind is the relationship with, with Terrence, you know, that was the longest relationship so far that I've, I've been in. Um, and I think that, that he and I, um, were really amazing teachers for each other. So that was certainly a journey of really both of us blooming and expanding into ourselves in a lot of ways. Um, and then... The, yeah, the last, the last thing that I'll, that I'll say is um, this, this journey of being, um, being here in Santa Barbara in kind of a, what feels like a really new phase of my life. Um, and yeah, feeling, feeling kind of like, yeah, it's a new, it feels like a new wave, a new current that I'm kind of working, working with new people, kind of new community. Um, new partnership, that's a journey, a really gorgeous <laughs> journey. So there's, there's, there's so many. And um, I think the last thing that I'll say about that is that, you know, I, I do believe that every journey has the things that feel good in it and the th things that feel really painful in it. And I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to develop the mindset to um, see the the beauty and the benefit and all that. Mm. And do you grow most in the hard parts or the easy parts? <laughs> uh, both, dude. <laughs> both. I Good used question. to think just the hard parts, and I'm glad that I grew out of that mindset. Yeah. Well, there's no wrong answer. I, I agree. It's all there's so many different aspects to everybody's journey, and we're happy to have become a part of your journey, and you. <laughs> to ours you're a fucking light in this world in our world so we really really appreciate you we appreciate your time here and uh do you want to share with our listeners like where we might find you things that you want to share with the world with the world oh my god world let's play <laughs> some more how about that um <laughs> <laughs> uh sure i mean uh, in, in general, I feel like just having a conversation with you guys was, you know, 
yeah, like sharing enough <laughs> about me and, and my work. But if anyone is, is curious to get in contact with me, um, Tegan Rose Embodied Arts is currently the name of my business. It may change later. I'm with um, you. I change my shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tegan Rose Embodied Arts. Cool. Yeah, find me, connect. And yeah, I'm so grateful that I'm a part of your journey as well. You two are really inspiring to me. And thanks so much for asking me to be a part of this. And oh, just... it was, it was uh, that... an obvious choice. Oh, yeah, absolute no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for spending this afternoon with us. So glad that we get to see you while we have this conversation. And I hope to have many more. Yes. And we're going to be coming down to Santa Barbara in like a couple months yeah. for a significant amount of time. So you get ready to just experience some more journey doses with us. <laughs> Please, let's go on some. Let's go cool. On. Awesome. All right. With that, we're going to end the recording and then we'll say bye. All right. Stop recording. Okay, help me. <laughs>